Welcome to church. Glad you're here. Uh, John chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, um, as you came in today, uh, we are going to be receiving communion, so I hope you found uh, uh, the uh, communion elements as you come in, and uh, we're glad you're, glad you're here, glad you're worshiping with us. We're in a series called Triggered, and we've been uh, just identifying how we see the world, looking at the world in the, uh, the proper lens, and um, recognizing that uh, if we don't see properly, we won't respond properly. And how many know there's a lot to respond to in the, in the world that we live in and uh, having a, a proper perspective of that? Whatever is triggered has a strong reaction, and uh, it, it reacts to uh, whatever takes place around us. And so it's the reaction to an action. Uh, this uh, Actually, a couple of weeks, maybe less than two weeks ago, my, my wife got triggered, and uh, it, was, uh, it happened while I was away. She was home. Uh, with Jordan, and in the middle of the night, the dog began to bark like it never barked before. That always happens when I'm away, I guess. Uh, uh, Jody, of course, sneaks out into the uh, kitchen to discover an intruder outside the house, not inside the house. Uh, she hurried up to grab the, uh, 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 her phone, took a picture of what was there. Uh, I'm uh, 600 miles away, and so 600 miles away, I wake up uh, to this picture, and uh, this is the picture I wake up to. And how many know when you're waking up, you're trying to figure out what this is? But you, she says to me, I, I'm on the phone with her, I said, I, what, am, what am I looking at? She says, look at, the, look at the yellow dot, the circle. So you got to look at that spot there. And so I zoom in, and let me just do that for you here. I, I zoom in, and there in our backyard is a bear. Now, some of you are like, no big deal. Not where we live. I, I mean, that, that was one of those exciting moments. She catches it. That triggered in Jody. She went out that day and bought a trail cam. We've got a new hobby, y'all. We like every night, we like come home and we're like, did you get the SD card? I don't know. Let's see what's, what's on, the, on the SD card. So we've been finding all this activity going on in our backyard. Look at, yeah, look at this. You see this? It's like a party going on. Like all the single ladies, all the single ladies. Uh, until this guy shows up, I guess. That... All right, hold up, hold up. Like, I'm thinking, like, I feel like I can now rate with all those people. I go hunting. I'm like, I have this in my backyard. Look at this one. This is in my... Where do you live? Yeah, somebody's like, where do you live? And, and this, I think, is Jody's favorite. It catches all kinds of things. And uh, here's the next one. Yeah, and then there's another one. There's, a, there's another one there. It's like, yeah, then, then you just get rid of that. So it, it triggers all kinds of stuff. And so be careful because we know if you show up. It's uh, how do we respond to what we see and what we hear? What, what goes on around us? And uh, looking in, this, in this, this text today, I want to look in John chapter 6 and Jesus makes a statement to some disciples, and as he's talking to his disciples, they become triggered by his words, and there's a reaction that takes place. The question I want to ask us today is, how do we respond when things don't make sense to us? When things don't make sense to us, I think we need to emphasize to us, because something that's important for us to hear is just because it doesn't make sense to us doesn't mean it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it's that we need a different perspective. We need a different way of looking at it, that we need to allow ourselves to see through the lens of Scripture, through Holy Spirit, to see properly, that we would see what is happening. We've got to see our world in this hour, not in the world's lens, 
not in a political lens, not in any, any social lens. We must see our world through the biblical lens of God's word, of what he said in this hour and in this time. If we don't see properly, we won't respond properly. And Jesus, of course, is speaking to his d- disciples. They're, they're all called disciples in this, in this text that we're going to look at. But you see, you'll quickly see there's a distinction between them. Jesus is teaching, and as he's teaching, he gives them a word and speaks specifically to them. And in this moment, they had a reaction. They became triggered. Because there's a difference between being taught and learning. It's the difference between being a student and being a learner. Now, these students were disciples of Jesus, followers. But there's a distinction. I want to look in John chapter 6. Why don't you stand with me? And I want to look in verse 53 just to give you the essence of this message that Jesus preached. And if you're watching online, we're glad you're joining us today. Hope you found your Bible as well and looking at this with us in John chapter 6. This is the essence of Jesus' message in verse 53. So Jesus said again, how many know if he said it again, he's saying it over and over because he's wanting them to get this. And here's what he wants them to get. Verse 53, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. He goes on to say, but anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life. This had a reaction. This was not a church growth moment for Jesus. Because in fact, here's what we read. Jesus is trying to emphasize and get them to catch this. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. Jump down to verse 60. It says, many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. Eat your flesh and drink your blood. This is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that the disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? I love Jesus' questions. I mean, does this offend you? How many, he already knows the answer. Jesus is never asking a question for you, for him to get a response or for him to get an answer. He's asking a question so you can recognize what's really going on inside of you. He's bringing to, bringing to light, does this offend you? Because if it offends you, it recognizes there's something in you that needs to be addressed. He says this to him. He says, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascending to heaven again? He said, if this is hard for you, then how will you handle the rest of the kingdom that's advancing and moving? How will you handle that? He says, what will you think when the Son of Man is taken into heaven again? How many know all of this doesn't make sense to them? This is before the cross. You and I look at it today and like we know after the cross, yeah, we we have communion. We're going to receive communion. We recognize, we get that in its sense. But there's still things in us today that the kingdom of God is advancing. If we're being honest, we don't completely understand everything God is doing and how God is working. How many would recognize that? I don't know about you, but if God would ask my opinion, he could have come back a while ago, right? Could have, could have moved things in different, different timing and in different order. He says this. He said, how will you, how will you understand or how will you, uh, what will you think when you see the Son of Man ascend into heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the words or the very words I've spoken to you are spirit and life, but some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones would believe, and he knew also who would betray him. Then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away, and many deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, are you going to leave me also? 
Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? Where would I go? He says, you alone have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. Lord, I pray that this conviction would be deep inside of us, that in the world that changes around us, God, I pray that we would hold fast to this truth that become deeper and deeper, we pray in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that today, would you say amen? As you're being seated, ask your neighbor today, this is the title of the message, is it something I said? Is it something I said? I, I, uh, I want to just share for the next couple minutes from, from this title today, is, is it something I said? We all recognize that words are powerful, that words have, have impact. Uh, that's why it's very important to choose our words wisely, that uh, there are things that we say. I, I'm sure... Um, Jody and I are not the only ones that we have had at moments conversations about words that we have said because there are moments when you say something not realizing you triggered something else by using a word that, how many know what we're talking about? No, it's just us, all right. We're, uh, pray for us then, I guess. No, uh, no it's called, that's how it is. We use words and, and it's important to choose your words wisely and recognize that. I recognize this, Jesus knows all things. If Jesus, above everybody else, should have known the reaction these words would have had on the people that day. I mean, he knows everything. This is the same Jesus that when he healed the man who was laying on the mat and he said, pick up your mat and walk, the Bible says in that same place, he knew the thoughts of the Pharisees. He knew that they were saying, who does this man think he is? He addresses their thoughts because he even knew what they were thinking, Jesus knows what you're thinking right now. I have no idea what it is, but Jesus knows what it is that you're thinking. He even knew in the, the text that we read, it says that he knew who wouldn't believe in him and who would. He even knew that one of them among him would betray him. Jesus of all people knew. And so Jesus knew the reaction that he would get when he said to them, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot have eternal life. Jesus knew the very reaction. Now, if Jesus had a good social media consultant or somebody who would give him advice on how to have followers and not get people to unfollow you, they would have said, hey, Jesus, choose your words wisely. They, they, somebody would have said to him, you know, Jesus, you got to make sure you understand the culture. Don't say things to offend people. Make sure you keep things, keep things comfortable. And by the way, I think we have to recognize that Jesus didn't come to keep us turned on. He came to transform us from the inside out. He didn't come to just make us be people who would follow him in a, in a certain area, but that we would know deeper and have a deeper relationship with him. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing in that moment when he said, unless you eat my bread, my bread or my flesh and drink my blood, he's making a point to them that where you are now is nothing compared to what God has for you. God wants us to go deeper in an understanding relationship with him. There's something that we recognize that every time change is coming, change is affected and the, the effect of change should be transformation and transformation happens because of confrontation. You can never have transformation without confrontation. Something has to be confronted before there's transformation. And you and I have to recognize Jesus did not come to make our life better. He came so that we could know the Son of God and to know God better. That we could know the way of life. That we would know the one who is life. To know him. To have relationship with him. To have relationship. There, there were these, these disciples that were gathered around and they followed Jesus 
But Jesus, of course, wanting to take us to a place that is deeper. There are a lot of things being confronted in our world today. There's things that are, that are being confronted. We're living in a time where Hebrews says everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Because we're receiving an unshakable kingdom. That there's a lot of shifting and, and shaking and things that are happening. And the reason that's happening is because we're on the verge of transformation. I believe that there's transformation. There's one of two things that are about to happen in a quick moment. That is either the revival or the rapture. A revival and a move of God's spirit or the rapture. God is not, not going to contend in, in this long period of time. We believe that there, there is an end time revival and a move of God's spirit that God is moving upon the earth. But we also believe and know that there is the return of Jesus, that he's going to come again. And even that very thing, the return of Christ, I got to be honest with you, and you and I have to be honest, we don't fully understand all of that. How many would recognize that that doesn't all make sense to me? I have read Revelation, I have read, I have recognized, I've heard, but it all doesn't make sense to me. Some of it is still, yeah, but I wonder how. I wonder what that'll look like. And so we can relate sitting on this side of the kingdom advancing. Yeah, we're on this side of the cross. And yeah, we have a picture of the cross. We have the perspective of the cross, but there's still things in the kingdom advancing that really do not make sense to us. And so in the season of all of that happening, how do we respond when things don't always make sense? I said this before, that the, a word that I believe is real strong for us in this hour is endurance, that we've got to be people who endure that we've gone through a season of separation, we've gone through, through a season of sending, that God is sending out disciples, and now we're in a season of, of having endurance and remaining and being strong. I think that's important because even in, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, of course, this word that, that we're given in 1 Timothy tells us of the days that we'd be, and Paul, speaking to Timothy, says, now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time some will turn away from the true faith. There's this scripture that needs to get our attention. It's even in Matthew 24 that in the last days, there'll be many whose hearts will grow cold. They'll fall away from the faith, that there'll be a falling away. And this text that we just read represents some of that, that there are those who follow Jesus to a point, and then they reach the point like, I don't know about that. And what is it that we, we need to have to guard our hearts? He says that they'll follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are seared. We, of course, know that Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You'll hate one and love the other, that you have to choose. And he says here, it's either God or manna. Manon, it's either the things of, of material, the things around us, or the things of God. We have to choose what it is. And this was a moment that was a fork in the road for these people that were following Jesus in John chapter 6. This comes to a fork in the road. I don't know if you've been there yet, but you're going to come to a fork in the road. You're going to come to a moment in your faith and your journey and recognizing that in a season of what doesn't make sense, will we hold on to the truth of God's word? Can we say like Peter, nowhere else, where else am I going to go except to you? You have the word of life. You are the holy one of God. That in the midst of what doesn't make sense, when we can't comprehend and we don't understand, in a world that's changing around us, our, our response our response to a changing world is an indicator of the truth that is inside of us. Our response to a changing world is an indicator of the truth that is inside of us. If you want to know what's really inside of us, it's how we react when things don't make sense around us. And what's connected to things that don't make sense? When stuff is out of our control. One of the things that I think it's important to recognize is that really most of life is out of our control. We fool ourselves. There is this... There, there is this 
this idea that really one of the things that when crisis begins to hit in a mind, it's crisis that's hit because there's this perceived idea that I have control. And as long as you think you have control, everything's good. But the moment you're confronted with the reality that you don't have control, how many know that when you think everything's good, it's just a perception that you have control of everything? Because it takes just something small that can immediately change that. And so when we go through crisis, it's the mind trying to adjust to the reality that has always been, I have no control. And if we're not careful, we got to be careful in this, our approach to that is not how to figure out how to get control. The approach is to recognize that we serve a God who is in control. Now, I don't want to make this easy. I still or make it sound like this is just snap your fingers and this happens this way. Because I still, I'm a, I'm a person who's, who goes to counselors. <laughs> Not multiple. That made it sound like many. Like, what's he really have? Uh, what are his issues? Uh, no, I believe everybody needs someone to talk to. I believe God gives people gifts. I, I, I have relationship with, with godly counselors, with godly therapists, with godly people that I build relationship with. Sometimes, sometimes I pay them to talk to them, and sometimes they're just friends of mine. I like friends. But my point is this, that there are people that, that it's effective in our lives, but really what I'm having to come to a context and learn is really the things that trouble me in crisis that are out of my control is just me learning how to recognize I never had control, but I surrender my life to the one who is in control. Now, that sounds so simple, but that's hard. Because trusting is a hard thing to do. And here are the disciples. They're at a moment where they're like, wait a minute. We don't understand what you just said. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Um, we're good Jews, and good Jews don't drink blood because life is in the blood. They would have known. Like, this is not, none of this makes sense. Do you notice what Jesus says to how they responded? Jesus knew, and he asked the question, are you complaining? You know what's interesting is that Jesus makes a statement that they don't understand. And before they ask a question, they immediately respond how? Complaining. You know, there's a difference between asking a question or inquiring compared to complaining. How many know that when you just jump to complaining, you've already determined that this doesn't fit in your world, and so rather than trying to understand it, you're just going to complain about it because when we complain, we are not in a place of trying to learn or be inquisitive or grow. We're just saying, this doesn't work for me. Now, I think one of the things for us to grow in is God help me to learn the difference between asking you and complaining to man. Because there are times, God, if you, we can get wisdom. And here are the disciples. And let me give you the, the, just the picture of where they are in this moment that Jesus is, is, is having this conversation with them. Jesus, in a day and a half, here's what happens and how we get to John chapter 6. In fact, I would, I would encourage you, read all of John chapter 6. You could do it tonight. Uh, it wouldn't take long. But in John chapter 6, it starts with Jesus trying to get away, trying to get alone, and while he goes to a mountain, uh, goes across the lake and up to a mountain, uh, the crowds see that he's arrived. They all gather around him, and so Jesus begins to teach them. While he's teaching them, it gets late, and of course they need food. Jesus says to Philip, hey, wait, go get some food. What do, you got, what do you have to feed them? Philip says, if we worked for four months, we wouldn't have enough money. And someone else says, 
But we only have, there's, Andrew says there's a boy who has five loaves and two fish, but even that wouldn't be enough. How many know we all live in the life where I can't do enough and I don't have enough? How many know every single one of us that what we really live in is we can't do enough and we don't have enough? Jesus already knew the answer because he wanted to remind them, yeah, you're going to be in life's moments where you don't have enough and you can't do enough, but I am the God who is more than enough. I'm in the midst of where you are. I want you to see, yeah, you've got a need, but I'm here. And Jesus says, bring what you have. I want you to know today, this is not my message, but oh, he can do something great with what you have. You might not have much. It might be little. It might seem insignificant. He says, bring what you have sit them down in 50 in groups of 50 and he begins to feed them there are 5,000 not counting the women and children which means he fed over 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish he feeds them they love it who wouldn't dinner and a dinner and a movie I mean it's just a show and we get teaching we get to hear him talk he feeds us we love it Jesus knew that they would want to force him to be king so he slips away and goes higher into the mountain up the hill to get away from them they're like where did Jesus go and so Jesus is alone the disciples go away everyone disperses the disciples come to the bottom of the hill and they're like well we got to get back to Capernaum. That's where we're from. That's our headquarters. we got to go back. They get in the boat. Jesus isn't with them. And so they make their way at the end of that night on their way back to Capernaum. In the middle of the night, in the storm, Jesus comes along. And now Jesus is walking on the water. So Jesus has fed the 5,000. Now he's walking on the water. What have you done in the last 24 hours? I mean, this is what Jesus did in this whole day leading up to it. He's walking on the water. They have an encounter. Not only are you God, but you can cause the, the, the winds and the waves to calm. And they're speaking of, of just who he is. They get to Capernaum. Now they're there. They spend the night. They sleep. They wake up the next day. They go to the synagogue, which is what they would do, the time of prayer. It's the, it was the, the common, ordinary thing that they would do. All the while on the other side of Galilee, there's a group of people like, hey, where's that man that makes the bread? Where's, where's Jesus, the guy that does the miracles? Where is he? They find out the boats are missing. Like, oh, he's on the other side. Let's go. And so they begin to row across the other side. They find Jesus in the synagogue. So Jesus begins to teach them. This is the place that we have to recognize there's a difference between a student and a learner. The disciples had followed with the place of learning, but there were those that were just following for the place of what they could get. And they were coming along, and Jesus is teaching them, and Jesus begins to say to them, their first question to him is, how did you get here? They asked Jesus, how did you get here? You know, Jesus did not respond with, well, you know, I walked on water. Jesus didn't even answer their question. Jesus makes the statement. He says, you're not following me because you understand the miracles I've done, which how many know it takes a lot of willingness and learning and pressing in to understand the miracles he's done? He said, you're not following me to understand because you understand the miracles I've done. You're following me because you want more bread to eat. Because they love this idea. It reminded them of what they heard in Moses' day. And they began to say, well, yeah, of course we want the bread because Moses caused bread to fall down from heaven. And while the people were in the wilderness, Moses gave them bread. And Jesus reminds them quickly, uh, that wasn't Moses. That was my father in heaven. That wasn't a man. Can I just remind you? Don't ever put people in an elevated place of God's presence. There's no pastor. There's no preacher. There's no teacher. There's no person 
who can ever do for you what only Jesus. If Jesus has ever done something through somebody, it's because they were a vessel that he used. They are not elevated. They're not good. They're not great. They are servants of the Most High. He's reminding them, that wasn't Moses. That was my Father in heaven who caused that bread to come forth. He's setting them in perspective, and he's reminding them, yeah, you want bread. Moses gave bread, and the bread that they ate, they died. And Jesus says, the bread that I'm giving is not bread that you can eat in the wilderness. I'm gonna give you bread that you can live and never die. You see, Moses caused, or God caused Moses to feed them with manna because they were in the wilderness. Basically, Jesus is saying to them, if all you want is bread for the wilderness, that's you, but I've got more for you. I don't wanna just give you bread in the wilderness. I wanna transition you into bread for the promised land. Someone said one time, one of the reasons we don't preach about heaven a lot is because we've made it real comfortable down here because we just want God to give us bread in the wilderness. Can I say to you today, you were not meant to live on this earth. You are meant to be in the presence of Almighty God. And I don't desire death to come quickly, but oh, when I breathe my last breath, my hope and my promise is that I will be with him forever and forever and forever. This is the hope that we've always got to hold on to. This is the hope that must sustain us in the world that shifts and shifts and shakes when it doesn't make sense and everything moving around us. And Jesus, of course, is wanting to take them and he's confronting where they've been because Jesus is saying to them, I don't want you to stay in the wilderness. You've got wilderness thinking. You want bread that keeps you in a moment, but I want to take you into eternal thinking. And in order to get to eternal thinking, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Whoa. This confronts them. But remember, you have no transformation without confrontation this confronts what my, my understanding what I get what I'm gleaning be careful that we don't respond with complaining before we respond with God what is it that you're doing there are times you walk through something and I have learned and there are moments I wish I'd learn it quicker there are moments when I walk through something uncomfortable and I'm trying and, and I learn to say to God God what do you want to teach me what do you want to show me what do you want to reveal to me in this moment what do you want me to know of you and who you are? Because you are good, you're faithful, and you're always working all things together for my good. See, there has to be a core conviction and belief that we hold on to. And Jesus wants us to get to that place. So what keeps us? And I want to address just three things as, before we receive communion. What is it that keeps us? Because how many would catch, I don't want to live with just wilderness mentality, God give me bread to sustain me for this moment to get by. But I want to not just have, he will provide and keep us. But I also want to have the eternal hope and the life that I want to know the hope that I have no matter what happens. No matter what goes on, I have this great hope and promise. How many recognize today, I don't want to live with wilderness mentality. I want to live with promised land mentality. That makes sense to anybody today? Supply my, my every need, absolutely, my daily bread. But even the daily bread, that's so that I don't have to worry about what happens here because my mind doesn't have to worry about how to eat, how to clothe, how to get by because I already know I have one who will take care of that. My mind can be consumed with things above and not on things below. And how many would recognize in a day that we're in, oh, church, we better have minds like Colossians and eyes that are fixed on things above and not on things below. Well, somebody wave at me if that makes sense today, that this is, if we're gonna respond properly in the world that we're in, God, give us perspective, not worrying about what is our everyday, but trusting our God who puts all that together.
but living with perspective of the eternal hope that we have. So what kept them? Because I think it would keep us in the same way. When we go through something we don't understand and it's hard for us to make the shift, here's some things that I, I believe make it hard to make the shift. When we walk through something we don't understand, here's number one, so deep and profound. Are you ready for it? The reason we don't shift in moments that don't make sense because we don't want to. Let's just be honest. We don't want to. Notice they said to Jesus, this thing that you're saying to us, eat your flesh and drink your blood, this is a difficult thing. Who can accept it? How many would recognize just because it's difficult doesn't mean it's impossible? How many things have we written off as that's impossible when in reality, it's not impossible, it's just hard. But if you want to, you can. How many know if you want to, you will, and if you don't want to, you won't? I went to Algebra 2 in high school. Some of you are laughing at me. That's not nice. I passed Algebra 2. <laughs> All of my kids have now way passed Algebra 2. They're like in calculus or I don't know whatever else they do. I, I, I don't know all that stuff. And uh, I went to Algebra 2. I passed Algebra 2. Do not ask me to do your kids' homework or to help tutor them with anything related to Algebra 2. You know why? Because I did enough to pass the class, but I didn't learn enough to pass it on to someone else. The concern for the church culture in these last days is we try to do enough to pass the class, but we've not done enough to pass it on to the next generation. We've not allowed it to catch enough inside of us. I'm not saying we don't, but I'm saying the concern, because how many know there's a difference between being a student and a learner? And the learner gets it inside of them. And when it gets inside of them, how many know, you know when people like math class? Like, they light up about it. There are some people that I know that are like, oh, I miss math class. I'm like, okay, all the high schoolers and younger Close your ears. When I found out I didn't need to take a math class my senior year of high school, guess what? I didn't. <laughs> I, I, I didn't. Now, some are like, way to achieve. <laughs> I'm, I, I did enough to get by. I'm just being honest with you. And so today, I've done enough to get by, but I don't know anything to teach my kids. Uh, two plus two is four. I got gotcha. we you. We even get to division and multiplication. I'll teach you how to balance your checkbook. Dad, what's a checkbook? I don't know. I'm done. No math is up. I can't help anymore. I'm like, I'm done. If I can't help you balance your checkbook with simple math, I, you're on your own. Because there's not enough that's in us. How many know that when it gets inside of us, when we allow the truth of who Jesus Christ is to get inside of us, how many know it reflects in the way that comes out of us? When all the world is saying the sky is falling, it's falling apart, we look up and say, no, our redemption is coming near. That we have this hope that is constant. One of the reasons is because we don't want to. If we're being honest, sometimes we don't understand what God is doing is because we don't want to. And one of the things that we recognize with this is in, in uh, uh, James, it simply says this. James says that if we ask, or Jesus, uh, uh, James speaks on behalf of, of what God is wanting to do. He says, you have not and you don't have it because you're not asking. How many know Jesus said, ask for wisdom, and I'll give you wisdom? If you lack wisdom, if you ask of me, I'll give it. That he'll give us the ability to see and to recognize. He wants to give us revelation. I want you to hear today that God wants to reveal to you what he's doing on the earth. How many know God can speak to you? 
Just this weekend, I heard of this, uh, I don't know, Friday, whatever, I think it was Friday, just had one of those moments, that conversation of, God, if this goes a certain direction, I don't know where this is going to go, I don't, know, I don't know what to do, and it was one of those moments of, God, I don't know what to do. So it was my day off, I sat on the couch and I said, God, show me what to do. And God spoke to me. Now before you think, like, wait a minute. No, the phone didn't ring, I didn't hear But I sat in the presence of the Lord, and the Lord said this to me. The Lord said, be still and let me take care. Because you remain faithful, and whatever's falling around you and spiraling, that will reveal itself as being empty. You remain steadfast. You're like, he spoke to you and all of that, all in my spirit, in my heart. I just began to resonate with it, and I began to have a peace that came over me. I sat on my couch this past Friday and just said, God, I'm so glad you got this. God, I'm so glad you're going to take care of this, you realize it shifted everything in that moment. What, what does that? It's the word of God and the presence of God. Now, I don't want to make this sound so simple and like, well, it's just so easy to do. No, there is something when we are conscious, conscious of his presence and we are aware and we allow him to speak to us and work in our hearts. He can move and direct us and his word becomes life that we can hold on to. And sometimes, if we're being honest, We don't want to. Because there have been moments I thought, I ought to see what God says about this. Oh, I know what he's going to say, but I know what I want to say. How many have ever had a moment like me? I don't want to listen to God because I want this to work out this way, and if I listen to God, I'm not sure it will, so here I go. Nod your head or something because I feel very vulnerable right now. Like, that's just me. Like, uh, Yeah, and, and so if we're being honest, we don't want to. God, I, I want to I stand in your promise or, or we, whatever, we, we don't transition sometimes because we don't want to. Here's another thing that makes it hard for us to transition sometimes. It's because we have the wrong wants. Sometimes it's just we have the wrong wants, that we desire the things that are, that are, that are here. Jesus says that to them. We already referenced it. He says, you're not following me because you understand the miracles that I'm doing. You're following me because you want the bread that I've been making. You, you want the bread that, that fills you. You just want the material things. You want the, the manna, the stuff in this moment. He says, but I want you to have eternal things, that we desire the, the things of God and, and to have the, the right wants. And here's where the, the wants come into alignment. It's when we value the word of God above everything else. When, when the word of God and the presence of God is, is, is put at a place of value above everything else, that his presence is what we what we hold to, that it's his presence that we, that we stand on, that we allow ourselves to be fulfilled in this desire. You know, we have not because we ask not. And the end of that too in James, he says, and when we do ask, we ask with wrong motives. We ask for things that, that we desire. Can I just say to us, and we already said this, that Jesus doesn't do miracles to make our life better. He does miracles so we can know him better. He didn't do a miracle on the boat when the storm was raging with the disciples. He didn't do a miracle to keep them safe because how many know there was no storm that could, make them, that could harm them? Can I say that? There was no storm that could harm them. How many know that and believe that? He said, let's go to the other side. If he told them, let's go to the other side, there was no storm that could harm them. Jesus did not calm the storm to keep them safe. He didn't calm the storm to keep them safe because there is no storm that can harm them that he's not able to heal and sustain and keep them. 
I'm hanging on that for a little bit because I think we've, sometimes we, we, we overlook this truth that there's nothing, no weapon formed against us will prosper. That whatever comes against us, that God is for us. Greater is he that is with us than he that is in the world. If God is for us, then who can be against us? How many know there's a confidence that I don't need God to just keep me safe because there's nothing that can harm me. I need God to reveal who he is. He doesn't do miracles just to meet my needs. He does miracles to reveal who he is. And in knowing who he is, my faith becomes strengthened. And when my faith is stronger in him, how many know that I can stand and I can speak to this mountain be moved that I can speak with the faith and the power that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is on the inside of me is there anyone who believes that that same power works inside of you and I and so the moving of this is not God to just do miracles this is not about keeping me safe and I wonder what would happen if we shifted from God meet my needs to God show me who you are come on does that resonate with anybody that's the worldview and perspective. That's what needs to trigger in the moment. When we're going in a moment in a place this doesn't make sense, it shouldn't be, God, make this, make this fit me. God, make this work for me. God, make me safe. God, take care of this. Oh, he, absolutely, I think it's, it's good to pray that. But don't stop at that place. Shift into a place of, God, let me see you like I've never seen you before. God, let me know you because in knowing you, my faith will rise. And as my faith works inside me, faith the size of a mustard seed can speak to this mountain be gone. That we can allow this, this shift to happen in our lives, that we want to see him better. That, and sometimes when we're going through what doesn't make sense, it's because we, we don't want to or we have the wrong want or sometimes because we want to earn it. And sometimes in wanting to earn it, we like to earn it because if I can earn it, I can make sense of it. I mean, no, that's true. If I can earn it, I can make sense of it. God, we want to step into what you have next for Faith Assembly in Fayette County. We're walking this line of, okay, God, we got to have faith, but we also have to make sense of where the, where the money's going to come from. We said no to a project back here that was $5 million because we thought, wait, $5 million is too much and it limits and so we step back and say, God, show us what you want to do. And then there's moments in this, it's like, okay, God, but we don't want to say you can't come up with $5 million. No, because you're the God who's able. So God, help us to walk in that place of wisdom and faith. Not fear and control. Because if we can measure it, how many know we don't need God? If I could stand here today and say, X, Y, Z works out like this. We got it all figured out. Guess what? we are going to do I mean no that's what we like I feel more comfortable I feel more safe I feel more secure no I'm going to get to the place where I say and we recognize go God when you say go we'll go when you say stay we'll stay God whatever your spirit speaks whatever it is that you want to do whatever it is that you want to move in our midst because we try to earn it and that's exactly what these disciples did they asked Jesus Jesus said you can't you, you, you just, you're not following me for the reasons that are right. You just want bread. And they said, oh, well, that's okay. I mean, Moses gave bread. He said, no, nah, that wasn't Moses. And then they said, well, then teach us how to do miracles. What did they say? Teach us how to work. Teach us how to perform miracles. And Jesus, of course, says to them, you have one job. There's only one thing you need to do. And the only thing is this, is believe on the one who the Father sent. What's that mean? To receive 
eternal life through Jesus Christ. You don't have to earn it. I want you to know today, it doesn't matter what your past is. doesn't matter anything about you, of what you've done. All that matters today is will you receive Jesus? And guess what happens when you receive Jesus? The inside of you comes alive, and now dead turns to life, and you move from a wilderness way of thinking to an eternal life, to an eternal hope in Jesus Christ. To live with that promise and that confidence that in this world when things don't make sense, when things start to shake, when things start to say, I don't know where is it going to come from. I don't know where this is going to land. I don't know how what's going to go. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to take place. You can say with confidence like Peter, it might not make sense, but I have nowhere else to go. There's nowhere else I can go. There's nowhere else to go. You alone have the word of life. You are the Holy One of God. Oh, that we would allow that confidence to rise up inside of us. That confidence says, God, I don't understand it. I don't understand what it is as we prepare to receive communion today. I want to encourage us. You can just hold the elements we'll take together and you'll find the bread that's at the the top of the, the container that you would have picked up today. But I want you to picture this with me. Here's Jesus. Something happened every time he broke bread. When he fed the 5,000, when he fed the 4,000, when he was on the road to Emmaus and with those that he was gathered with, every time he broke the bread, it became an invitation for them to receive from him. In fact, I love what it says when they were on the road to Emmaus. It says that their eyes were opened. And I pray today that as we receive communion, that whatever you're walking through, that your eyes would be open to the fact that the Holy One is with you. That you can receive of him to receive the bread of life. And when you receive the bread of life, you won't have to thirst again. In fact, he says you won't even be hungry again. Why? Because the same spirit will live on the inside of you and you can have personal relationships.